You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp Edition. These bonus episodes will launch each week in October and November and feature myself and other Sportsman's Empire podcast hosts from around the country. Follow along as we update each other on recent sightings and deer activity, share strategies we're employing to help get us on deer, and just enjoy a relaxed deer camp atmosphere. Before we jump in, I do just want to say a quick thanks to our partners. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Tacticam, the makers of the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. Tacticam's 6.0 and Solo Extreme cameras help you capture your memories from the field so you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K, 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one-touch operation. And the best news, you get all of this in a compact, durable, waterproof package. They also just released their Solo Extreme camera that provides all the features you love from other Tacticam cameras, like one-touch operation, HD footage, and a sleek, waterproof housing, but in a more budget-friendly option. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I'll be wearing their tarnum pattern, hunting in the piney hills of the southeast and the farmland mosaic of the Midwest, and I have confidence that this pattern is going to perform flawlessly no matter the setting. You should also take a look at their packs. They are, in my mind, some of the best out there for the mobile hunter and are unbeatable at their price point. Go check them out at huntworthgear.com. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. 
You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. And finally, Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze your trail camera intel so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about their awesome features and to sign up for your 30-day risk-free trial. When you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to Deer Camp. Welcome back to another episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, Deer Camp edition. And uh, we got a full crew tonight. There, there is myself, Josh Raley, Andrew Munts from the O2 podcast, Paul Campbell from the O2 podcast making an appearance, and John Hudspeth from the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. What's going on, fellas? Josh, how are you, man? Doing good. John, not much. I hope y'all can hear me all right. There you go, man. You're coming through loud and clear now, loud and clear. <laughs> so, uh, what's going on with everybody? Are you guys? Are right, John? Looks like you're hunting. I'm uh, about to be. So I was hoping to be hunting this afternoon. Didn't got to get off work quite as early as I hoped. Missed it by about an hour. Uh, but I took a vacation day tomorrow. So yeah, I'm I'm ramped up, ready to go. Just walked in the door here at hunt camp about seven minutes ago. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm in the boonies of Oklahoma right now. So if you can't hear me very well, that's why we're, we're, we're really banking on Elon Musk and the, the satellite internet stuff, but it hasn't <laughs> made it here yet. <laughs> so, uh, for, for those who are listening, cut a little slack for tonight's audio, who knows what it could turn into, uh, as we're trying to, trying to tune into John <laughs> and figure out what's going on there. So, uh, Mr. Munts, how's it going, man? It's good. I was just looking at the weather forecast coming up, and it's um, annoying because everything that's showing here that I'm when I'm ha- going to have time to hunt, it's like south winds and east winds. And the two directions I really don't have stands for are south winds and east winds, so that's mm. annoying. Dude, I, I'm but, kind of in the same boat uh, as I'm looking at Wisconsin, and some of the spots that I've been most excited to hunt are really, really, really bad for anything with south in it. Like southwest, southeast, straight south doesn't matter. It's not going to be good. So, um, yeah, that's a bummer, man. Have you gotten out recently? Uh, last weekend, I I got out and uh, I took another doe. But uh, man, the I'll tell you, in Ohio, just watching the the social medias, uh, those bucks are they're out, and the cameras are lighting up, and and big bucks are hitting the ground. So. I think that's what makes me angry. I, I was just scrolling through stuff earlier, and I'm like, all right, I have to get out. And I'm looking, and that wind is just garbage and yeah. rain. But it's okay. We'll figure it out one of these days. Mm. One of these days. Mr. Campbell, this is your yeah. very first time at deer camp, so we won't give you too much crap for uh, not being here yet, but what's up with you, man? Yeah. You know, I so – I moonlight as a deer hunter. So I didn't want to take up valuable, valuable real estate. Uh, yeah. so I just, I just wanted to pop in and say hi and, and, and see how, uh, see how everyone else's deer, deer hunts were going. So I, I've been out, I've been out a couple of times. I've had, uh, I've seen deer every time, which, which for me is, uh, a bonus. Um, I got, I got, I want to, I, I want a, a controlled hunt on a wildlife refuge here. In, in Ohio. So it just started on Sunday, the 23rd. I've got two weeks. It runs until November 5th. So I'm going out tomorrow, uh, Saturday, Sunday for, for a couple of hunts, a couple of sits. So the first two I was on deer, uh, just wasn't, 
quite quite there. So I don't know. I, I, I honestly, like, this is how bad of a, a deer hunter I am. I haven't even looked at the wind until you said something, Andrew. I'm like, uh, I look at the wind for duck hunting, but not for deer, <laughs> for deer hunting. So, yeah. So, yeah. Guy- so I'm still... I'm still going, so I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'll figure it out tomorrow, I guess, but, uh, cause there's such a limited time, you yeah. know, so I want to, I want to get in there and, and, uh, and see what I get my hands on. So the, the plus though, Paul, is you got a big property, so you can go yeah. in and find something that hopefully is going to work for you. Yeah. Ever wind you have. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's a little over 900 acres that, that we have access to on this wow. refuge. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really really hopeful it's it's uh it's an urna box so i've got to take an antlerless deer uh in this zone it is and you you might have some experience with this josh uh in wisconsin it's a it's in a cwd zone it's in okay. our tsa disease surveillance area so um there have been some some positive tests in this three county stretch the last what four or five years andrew um so so the state has been I, I don't want to say aggressive isn't the word, but they've, they've definitely been managing that intensely uh, in that area. I guess some people would say aggressive. Um, it doesn't, the deer that I harvest up there don't count towards my state totals, yeah. which is insane to me. So, I mean, it's just like <laughs> shoot everything, I guess. But the, the, I talked to the wildlife officer on Sunday uh, from the tree stand, actually. He, he, he called me. I had a rental car with Tennessee plates on, and he thought someone was poaching because he's never seen someone from out of state. He's like, what the hell's going on? Oh wow! So he called me just, and he's like, "Man, he's like the biggest deer I've ever seen was right on that dirt." But there's a dirt bike track right across from this property. He's like, "There are still big deer out here." So, yeah, I'm hopeful, man. We'll see what happens. Very cool. So yeah. you you say that you moonlight as a deer hunter. Why don't you? Yeah. Since this is your first time jumping on here with us, why don't you kind of give us a rundown of who you are and what you do and yeah. why in the world you prefer other things? Yeah. So. You know, I, I, uh, I love to turkey hunt. That's my favorite thing to do. I, I love wing hunting. That's my thing. Turkeys, ducks, geese, pheasants, woodcock, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I do, I do like deer hunting just because they're tasty. You know, for years, man, I'd put so much pressure on myself to shoot like big bucks and, you know, I would pass on deer, you know, in my twenties that I like, there's no way in hell that I'd pass on them now, you know? <laughs> so I've kind of evolved as, is a, is a deer hunter in that regard. Um, I don't, I don't discount anyone. You know, if that's what you want to do, man, that's, you know, that's you. I, I just, I'm, dude, I'm like the most impatient hunter on the face of the earth. I feel like, so if there's turkeys gobbling like three miles away, I'm picking my stuff up and I'm like running as fast as I can. So sitting in the tree stand, uh, I'm, it's a learned skill for me. I'm getting better at it this year. Maybe it's because the saddles are super comfortable, but, uh, I will say this is the first year in like 15 years, I put a lot of effort into deer hunting. So I'm pretty excited about that, man. Months is, months is converting me into a, a pseudo deer hunter. I still, I still would prefer to fall turkey hunt. I know that sounds freaking crazy, but that's, no. uh, yeah, that's it. So if it wasn't for this DSA hunt, this, uh, this refuge, I would like, it was our first split for waterfowl. So I always, I really enjoy that, you know, catch that first migration coming through. And I mean, I've seen a lot of geese in cornfield, so getting at you for that. So man. Very but. good. Very good. Yeah. I, I get it with the whole turkeys thing, man. I've never done a lot of duck hunting or anything like that, but mm. the last couple of years, especially being in Wisconsin really got me going for, for turkey hunting. I had never really done it a whole lot before moving there. And it's like, man, this is a whole new world. Wisconsin's a fantastic state to turkey hunt in. 
and has really good, really good population. My buddy was actually texting me today. We're both kind of missing turkey season. You know, it's it's the rut, and we're both like just now mentally yeah. pulling ourselves out of the spring. And um, he was he that's sat, great to hear. That warms my heart. Josh. Oh, hey, you know what? I've got to be transparent, man. And he sat a spot yesterday, and he had a tom gobble yesterday morning. Yeah. And then yeah, this morning yeah. he went back to a spot. I think it might have been either the same spot or real close. And he heard that Tom gobbling again. He's like, dude, my mojo is compromised at this point yeah, because yeah. I'm, my, you know, my mind is drifting back, even though it's, you know, getting to be that, that good time of year. Yeah. And I, I and you, you can ask Andrew, I will turn any podcast into a turkey hunt and he'll be like, he'll look at me like, dude, come on. We're talking about freaking elk hunting with Dan Matthews. And you're talking about turkey. So I'm going to turn this into a turkey hunt real quick. Turkey talk. It is amazing how vocal turkeys are in the fall. People think that they only gobble. In, in the spring, that is not true, man. They gobble. The hens are super active. The gobblers are yelping and clucking. They're, they're making, you know, they're making vocalizations that you won't always hear in the spring and they're super active. It's really cool. So, you know, for me, October is for turkey hunting. Yeah, so man. We've got what, three, four more days. So last week I got, or not last week, last month, I guess the beginning of this month, whatever it was, when I was in Wisconsin hunting, I got into like the middle of a flock and it had somehow gotten wrapped around me on like three different sides of me. And the sounds that I was hearing this flock make were amazing. Like it was, it was yeah. wild being in the middle of that. And they were really callable too. Like they started, I heard them kikiing at each other. So I just yeah. started, I, I had no call with me. So I just started whistling, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, yeah. and all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're like, coming over to check out what's going on. What's I'm like, up? what's going on? Yeah. I'm like, I just whistled at you. Don't be so dumb. Like you're going to get shot. Yeah. And then they busted me drawing. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah. All so right. That'll be, I promise that'll be the last time I talk about the wild turkey in this episode. Josh. Nope. Paul. Bring it up again. <laughs> Bring it up again. John. John's like, don't do that. <laughs> John, you're at a, you're at deer camp, man. What are the, what are the hopes right now? What, how are things looking? <laughs> Man, I I am still incredibly hopeful. We do have a big rain front coming in right now, so I think it's supposed to be raining pretty much all day tomorrow. Um, and I was actually curious what you guys thought. So, like, down here, like, if it's raining, it's usually not a drizzle. Like, it's either not raining or it's raining. Um, and so I was actually looking forward to throwing this to the group. Like, how hard is too hard when it comes to rain? Uh, I mean, I'm still probably going to be out there no matter what. But, uh yeah, I was curious to hear what you guys thought about how the rain's going to affect it. But uh, as soon as the rain moves out uh, tomorrow night, I think it's supposed to be nice and cool. And I, I, I came real close to calling my shot for Saturday, uh, just feeling very, very confident. But, uh, but anyway, back to the rain thing. I was curious what you guys thought. Andrew thinks that if it's raining on a Tuesday afternoon at around 6, 6.15. Oh, that's right. At about 6, uh, yeah, 6.30. Yeah, 6.30-ish, hey. then it's a great time to be in the woods. Uh -huh. My my philosophy was off this week. Okay, I think uh, it was actually Wednesday afternoon. Uh, was when I got a picture of a mount monster, but whatever. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. day off. My I kids, let you down. I couldn't. I couldn't go out on Tuesday. So yeah, that was my, your fault, my, Paul. Yeah, totally my fault. <laughs> uh, my two cents on the rain. I think uh, there's so up here we we get all kinds of rain, but the one thing I don't screw around on is, is lightning. So if there's any lightning, you can count me out. Um, but man, I'd, I'd go out and I'd try to use the sound and the movement to like work your way out there and then try to time it up. So when the rain's about done, you're, you're about ready. So 
Josh, I lied. I love turkey hunting in a thunderstorm. They start <laughs> gobbling real hard at some thunder booms. <laughs> you know, for me, there's no, no rain is too hard. Deer hunting, that's a different story. I don't, I don't know. I, I, um, yeah, same thing with duck hunting. Sign me up, man. The harder the rain, the better, mm-hmm. the windier. Um, I think my, that my, personally, my patience for sitting in rain, I mean, if you're seeing deer, like you're going to sit out, you're going to sit through anything. I mean, it could be a downpour, you know, a freaking hurricane. You're like, oh, there's deer. Okay, I'm cool. But I, I don't know, man. I, I've I've hunted some of those like really crazy, you know, like massive storm fronts come through uh, in Ohio, you know, years ago and, and, and shot some deer, which I guess is, is cool. But I don't know. For me, yeah, I'm, I'm out on the lighting, the hard rain, unless I'm seeing deer, but I'll sit you through got, anything at that point. Mm-hmm. You got to take a lot in, more into consideration too. Cause if you do get a shot, that better be a damn good shot mm-hmm. because there's, you're not going to yeah. have blood trail. I mean, if it's raining hard, right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love being out there right when that rain, rain stops. Like I, I think the deer just come to the woodwork at that point. But, uh, <laughs> When you look at the hourly forecast and it's like 99% chance of rain for eight hours straight, that's a little bit. Uh, uh, that's tough, man. That's, that's, that's getting you up here at that point. So that's what a good point about it. Just like when it stops, everything just, just starts moving again. So I guess being tough it out, that'd be. What about on the other yeah. front? Do you, do you hunt going into the rain? Like, you know that you're about to head, head into a 24 hour rain period. Are you trying to get out there before that pushes in? I am. That's why I was really trying to get out here this afternoon. Uh, and it just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, yeah. Right before I think is usually good. But then, like I said, as soon as that rain quits, that seems when, that tends to be when it's the best. And so, um, like I said, I, I, I think it's, the rain's supposed to be a little bit light in the morning. So definitely going to be out. I think it's, I think the most of it's supposed to come tomorrow afternoon. And then I think it's going to roll out right about Saturday morning. So that's why I say, like, I was already thinking Saturday would be a good day just because it's supposed to be the coolest. But I think if that rain shifts off, you know, in the middle of the night, Friday night, uh, I'm, I think Saturday is going to be pretty, pretty magical. Yeah, I, man, I, I, I've seen a lot of deer in the rain, especially if it's kind of that light drizzly, you know, mess. If it's downpouring really hard, I just, I just don't enjoy sitting in that. It's just not just not my cup of tea. Um, but like Munt said, man, that, that the shots that you're going to get, like, I mean, even, even thinking about, you said it's going to be light tomorrow morning. Like if it's light tomorrow morning with a chance of it kicking up and you make a bad shot and you've got to let a deer sit for six hours or whatever, that could spell bad things for, you know, any kind of blood trail that you might, might hope to get on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have have either any of you used a dog to to recover a deer? I feel like that would be the perfect situation because they go off of the dead deer scent, not like the actual blood. I, I, that would be like, man, I, I'd be Facebooking or YouTube or Googling whatever <laughs> dogs, you know, if I if I was in that situation. Mm-hmm. Have I have any of you ever had experiences uh, tracking wounded deer with dogs? I have. Um, yeah, I have it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Nah, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I have, I, I hunted a plantation in Alabama that had a, you know, it was kind of a pay to play kind of place. And, um, they had a dog that was phenomenal, man. It could just, it could track like nobody's business. Uh, and then last year I called in a dog for the buck that I shot in October and the guy was 
basically like, hey, I can tell from the way my dog is reacting that this deer probably isn't mortally wounded. Like, I don't think this deer is dead. And I'm like, what do you mean? Wow. He's got a giant arrow sticking out of him. Like, how does your dog know, you know, based on whatever sense this animal is lim- is emanating or whatever, how, how can you tell that this isn't a dead deer? Well, he said it's not a dead deer. His dog was just disinterested in the trail. Uh, two weeks later, I got a picture of him on camera with a giant scar on his back. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I still, wow. I still don't understand what happened with that deer. I shot it. It hit. And went, I mean, down into him. He was right underneath me. So I, I don't get how he lived. I mean, I get why I didn't recover him. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. What I don't understand is how in the world that deer lived. Because there's too much good stuff where I hit him. Um, yeah. But anyway, I don't know. John, what about you with, with, with uh, tracking with dogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty similar. So uh, I was muzzleloader hunting two years ago, I think. And it was, it was my first time or my first year I had really muzzleloader hunted. I bought a super cheap muzzleloader from a buddy of mine and it, it was a piece of junk and ended up, uh, I thought I shot this giant buck, you know, I thought it was a great hit and everything, but I wasn't finding blood. And so I backed out, uh, buddy of mine knew a guy with a dog. He came out the next morning and, uh, it was amazing, uh, like how much this guy could tell just from watching the dog, kind of like you were talking about. And I thought, I mean, I thought the dog was going to show up and we we're going to find that buck in three minutes and, uh, we ended up tracking it for like over half a mile. And finally the guy was like, Hey man, like I think you hit low and uh, just not seeing much blood. And sure enough, I, I put a collection of cameras out and I got a picture of that buck like a month later and he had a big wound at the bottom of his leg and I just shot right under his belly. And, uh, but, but like to me, the dog, even though I had to pay the guy still cause he came out, like having that assurance was worth the price, you know, like knowing that I did make a, a bad shot, and knowing that that deer was probably still out there was worth every penny because then I, I, I wasn't wondering for the rest of my life, like, oh, that deer playing in the brush right over here. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions this fall. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com for your 30-day risk-free trial, and when you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get back to the show. As hunters, we owe it to the animal not only to make as quick and ethical of a kill as we possibly can, but once we've taken a shot, if it didn't go how 
uh, we wanted, right, we owe that deer to do everything in our power to try to find it. That includes grid searching. That includes getting buddies out there. Uh, but do all that grid searching and getting buddies out there after you've called a dog. You know, ha- get a dog out there mm-hmm. first because, man, that is that is money well spent. I'm curious on this mm-hmm. point. Did So your tracker had, a, had an established fee? So, yes, he had like a base fee basically for him coming out. And then if he found the deer, it was like an extra hundred bucks. It, it was basically like a tip. Like he had, he had had people not tip him. And so he just kind of built into his pricing like a tip type thing. Gotcha. Uh, and I did want to, I did want to add one other thing. I was, you know, just, I was just asking the guy questions since he was there and had the dog. And we're, we're talking about rain and stuff. And I, I asked him, I was like, hey, like, let's say it's a heavy rain. Is it worth us calling you out? And he actually said, no, it's easier for the dog. He said, you know, if it's a real gully washer, you know, then it might be more difficult. But he said, if it's a light rain, that actually makes it easier on the dog. So, like, this, for the situation we're talking about, it's definitely still worth calling the dog. Yep. Yep, for sure. So, that, that brings up a point that I want to dive into because I've heard this thing said a lot when it comes to deer hunting. And I think this is relevant right now as we're getting into the rut. We're getting ready to spend a lot of time in the field. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be doing a ton of in-season scouting to make sure that I'm on the action. I had a a podcast I did. uh, It actually launched today with Tony Peterson. That's one of the things he just said over and over and over again. Before we started recording, while we were recording, it's like if you're not in the spot during the rut, it's probably not going to happen for you. So you've got to go find the spot. You've got to go find where it is happening. And so I'm, I'm committing this year. I'm not sitting in a spot that's okay. I'm going for the spot every single time. So I'm going to be moving through the woods a lot, putting down a lot of ground scent that I don't necessarily want out there. But I hear guys say a lot, hey, you know, go, go do that, you know, make a run through that bedding area or, you know, go scout or go hang cameras right before rain because the rain washes your scent away. And I've always thought, well, that contradicts everything trackers tell us. Because they say water is better for a dog. Like if it, you know, unless I, I don't know about an absolute just gully washer, but like that, I don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. What, what are you guys thoughts? Have you, have y'all thought about that before? So I, the only thing that I can say about with, with the dog and the animals, so the wet animals, it's like a dog, right? When, when you let your dog out in the rain, they come in, they stink. They have a very like unique, intense smell it's the same thing with the wild animals, deer, turkey, raccoons, all of them. So from what I've been told with like predation on turkeys and um, you know, like the deer scent, like, so if those animals are wet, it's just like your dog when you let them in the house, they stink and you can smell them from two rooms away. So that's, you know, from, from an animal perspective, that's probably what they're talking about, that, that it's easier for the dogs to pick that stank ass deer up yeah, it's so, wet. So. so easier for the dog because the deer is putting off more scent. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew's had, Andrew has a really nice theory on the ground scent. You, you've killed deer, left gut piles. Next day you've got <laughs> 10 deer all over the, all over your camera. I, so. Yeah, sorry, my internet just cut out. There you go. Thank you, Spectrum. <laughs> but uh, I think you're talking about scents in the woods and deer, how they use them. Uh, so first of all, I'm kind of a scent Nazi, and I have been for a while. Now, I don't, there's times like certain things go with you that don't, haven't been run through the ozone or whatever, but um, I'm always very amazed. Literally, with the second doe I got this year, I gutted her right next to the trail camera. 
out of the trail camera so I didn't get all the pictures of it. But that night I had deer galore through there, man. And, um, eventually a coyote went through, but like there was, there was all kinds of deer. There's a buck that came through. I hadn't seen him yet. So to me, and there's other times I'll, you know, we're, we a lot of, we are allowed to bait. So I'll throw a bag of corn out or something. And, you know, a couple hours later, there's tons of deer in there. And it's like, how much of my scent did they really, or maybe they're used to it. I don't know. But, um, so to me, I don't buy into a ton of that. I've had them downwind of me, like heavily right there underneath me. I, again, I'm pretty, pretty strict on my, my, uh, clothes handling and all that kind of stuff. But, I'm not afraid to walk through the woods. We were we were going to a property last year to bow hunt during the rut. And on his GPS, Andrew was driving, on his GPS it said that we were 80 miles away. And on his gas meter it said we had 78 miles to go. I'm like, are, are you, are you going to stop for gas? Like, you're like, no, I don't, I don't want the scent on my clothes. I'm like, we are going to run out of gas. And he's like, we'll, 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 we'll be all right. I don't want the scent on my clothes. I'm like, the entire time there, I'm in a panic. Like, oh, God, we're going to run out of gas. Seinfeld episode where it's Kramer, and he's like, that's a car dealer guy. And, and they're yeah. like, oh, no, they just put that E thing. It's really, you can drive forever. They keep going, oh, yeah. like, 100 miles in. Yeah, we're good, man. I'm like, dude, there's a gas. Like, we're, it's right there. I can see it. I'm, I, I don't want the scent on my clothes. And I'm like, dude, we're going to stink when we're walking 10 miles back to get gas. Like, just stop. Just stop. I'm not stopping. Don't ask. It me. was the middle of BFE <laughs> Ohio too, so it was. Uh, yeah. No, I will give you. I will give you credit on that. You you, you do well with the scent control. So, man, that's that is something that uh, I I went hardcore into the scent control thing for a while with the sprays and the carbon clothing and and all of that kind of stuff. And and one day, and I mentioned this in my podcast I just did with with Tony. One day, I just realized like I don't enjoy it. Like for me, that was sucking some of the fun out of it because it was so much work and it, it created in me a lot of anxiety. Like I, d- I didn't like it. So I just ditched it all and went to ozone. And Andrew, it sounds like that's what you're primarily using now is ozone. And that stuff is amazing. Like I, I have a scent crusher bag and that thing is legit. Yep. You, I got you- the closet thing and I like hang everything in and help today. I was out there working out in the barn and I'm like, you know what? We're just going to hit it. We're just going to hit it right now because a little extra, right? Throw it on top. The only other thing I'll do is take the scent-free bath, shower stuff. But, like, uh, outside of that, I used to do all the sprays and stuff, but I'm over that. Yeah. I I think that there is value in using some unscented soap. Like, I don't want to go out there smelling perfumey, so I, I do that too. John, what about you? Do you – how are you on the scent control thing? And give, give me kind of the answer based on your context with, you know, you guys are hunting – uh, in Oklahoma where it's legal to bait, there are feeders involved and all that good stuff. So what, is that more important to you because you're trying to get more life out of these stand sites? So I have kind of the opposite, uh, stories, you guys. So I, I bought an ozone, uh, or ozonic several years ago and I started using it like crazy because I, I had an experience where I was sitting in the stand a deer came down with me and just like on the commercials, it was a doe, you know, she stuck her nose up in the air and then walked right through it, right down the wind. And so I went crazy with it and I bought the, the closet and all that stuff. Um, but for me, and, and yeah, I think it comes from like hunting feeders and stuff in the same stand. Uh, I don't think there is such thing as completely scent free. And you're just, like I said, you know, like when deer walk through that, you can like, they're, they're smelling something, what, whatever that smell is. It may not be human scent, but they're smelling something. And 
the deer that I was hunting actually learned to associate that with danger because I was hunting the same spot. And I actually had instances where like deer were in places where they should not have been able to smell me and they were smelling me. Um, and so just for, you know, whatever in giggles one time, I, instead of using that, I kind of went back to the old way. I washed my clothes with the, you know, scent free stuff. I sprayed down and I actually ended up shooting the buck that was after at that same location where he had been busting me with the ozone. And so I do think it's good. Like I said, like I admit that it works, uh, but I do think you can overuse it. Um, just like with anything else, like if you, let's say you have a bad experience with those deer when you're using, whether, you know, whether they smell you, see you, or, you know, you're climbing out of your stand and they bust you. Um, I do think they can learn to associate whatever that odor is that that, you know, uh, puts off. They can learn to associate that with danger and then it can become a bad thing. Yeah. John, I'm, I'm curious what you use, uh, as far as like what kind of spray you found to be effective. I, I used to use the sprays a lot. When, especially when I hunted somewhere with a hotter climate, kind of like you're hunting in, uh, a lot of times just because it feels good to take a little bath and that stuff and spritz yourself down before you go out, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, I just use, like, the super cheap scent killer from Walmart. Um, and I, I'm not, like, not going to say it's the best. I, I don't even know if it works necessarily. I think a lot of it is mental because it makes me feel like I'm still doing something. Um, a lot of it for me is like, I just, especially in like a feeder site or something like that, where I know I'm going to be going in and out. I'm just so careful with my entry and exit, um, to where like I, I can, because I'm using a feeder or whatever, and I have a set location, I can basically design my setups to where the deer is never going to be where I walked in at. Um, you know, the spot that I hunted last weekend, I had two does at like 13 yards is because like we had a chunk of timber. And then there's a creek about a hundred yards out of that timber, um, in a big hill where, where, you know, we're in the middle of a Bermuda grass cattle pasture. And so I have a feeder along that creek. And so I come from the opposite side of the creek, hit into the trees, over that hill, climb into my stand. The deer come out of the timber from the east through that feeder. And they just, they're just never in the same location that I am. And so, you know, I try to get set up like that when I can, if I'm going to be hunting a lot, like a feeder set up or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's my two cents. Andrew, you had something. I cut you off. Well, you, you were talking about spraying down when, when you're down south and it feels good and stuff, but isn't it not the exact opposite when you're in the freaking cold and you're like, the last thing I want to do is hit myself <laughs> oh. with this spray. It's like 20 degrees out. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, no, I'm not messing with this right now. <laughs> that's half the reason I went away from it. <laughs> so, interesting thing. You know, you guys know Tony uh, Peterson does a lot of bird stuff with bird dogs. He said, and, and Tony's not a gimmicky kind of guy, right? Like, he, he doesn't buy into hunting gimmicks. He said that the Tinks spray, it's like a Tinks scent elimination. I think it comes in a can, like an aerosol-type can. He said that stuff has been amazing in what he's done with, with bird dogs, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, that is. It's, it's, uh, is it like, uh, like the nose jammer stuff, or was it no, like it, your urine? What is- it's just a scent eliminator. Okay. Yeah. Josh, I, I, I want to circle back to, if you don't mind, No, do uh, it, man. this is a, this, this is a selfish question. Here comes Turkey talk. No, Dude, no, no, let's no. This do it. Is let's actually let's about, hijack this thing. <laughs> this is actually, this is actually about, about, about deer hunting. Um, so the one thing that I, you know, kind of looking back, you know, over my, my hunting career 
is I, I, I definitely got sucked into that. Okay. This is where it's going to happen right here. This is, this is all of the, all of the elements to kill a deer are here except the damn deer. And so I would get married to sites. I would get married to locations and I'm starting to slip into that a little bit again, because, you know, I, I put some trail cameras out on some public land. I've seen some really good deer on these trail cameras and I go out and hunt and there's no, there's nothing there. There's no sign. Andrew and I back in July found an awesome scrape that, you know, what do you say? Probably the year, the, you know, that season, you know, maybe in the winter, Andrew, that, that thing was active. It was massive. I think it was still active all summer long because when we were there, there weren't any, I mean, it was fresh. Yeah. And I don't know if I disrupted that. There's been absolutely no scrape activity on that thing at all. Nothing. I mean, the licking branch is still <laughs> just hanging there. And, and so I, I know that like my, my big thing is, is okay. The in season scouting. So Josh, John, Andrew, I mean, what do what are you guys doing for, for in season scouting? It's just like one hunt and you're like, yeah, this is, this is out. I'm not, I'm not coming back here again. And, you, and you're spending the rest of the afternoon looking or are you e-scouting or walking around? What's, what's your place? Somebody feel free to take Josh, it away. I would say, Josh, we'll go with you. It's your show. Bueller. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right. So I thought that was a good question. No, that's an excellent question. That I wanted the other guys to have a chance to answer because I I don't want to I don't want to talk too much on this one. Uh, so for me, um, I struggle with the same thing: getting married to a spot. Uh, I tend to get married to like ten or fifteen or twenty acre chunks, though. Not necessarily like this tree is the spot. And so I'll bounce around in there a, a fair amount. Um, right now I've got a spot in Wisconsin that I am like dying to get to. Um, and I'm trying to kind of temper my expectations and hopes to that. Um, if I'm in a spot though with fresh hot sign, it's checking all the boxes. It is just not producing the deer activity that I want to see. Then I'm asking myself two questions. Number one, is there someone else hunting in here? Because that could very well be a nighttime sign. Like you could just be in an area that they're just not traveling through during the day. You may just be off the mark a little bit as far as, um, you know, where the deer are traveling during the day. My second question um, that I begin to ask myself is, okay, if I'm not seeing the deer when I'm in there and if my trail cameras are picking up the deer and there's still, you know, good sign in here, can they see me? Can they smell me? Can they hear me when I'm on my way in? Like, that's always my assumption is like, okay, if this spot checks all the boxes, then I need to rethink my access because they're probably picking me up on my way in. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. That Dan Johnson has talked a lot about access and he talked about it with, with Andrew and I on our show. And that's something that I've read about. Andrew, you've, you've looked at all my on X maps. Um, you know, with this wind change, like for tomorrow, I'm like, I'll figure it out. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's one of those things I'm going to go in and just blow everything out of the woods on my, on my way into, into some random tree stand location. So, (laughs) but Uh, so, so yeah, if I'm not seeing the deer though, and I'll try to rethink that spot first, but if it's just not happening there, I I am probably going to move on pretty quick. Now I'll, I will stay probably in that same chunk if there's still sign there. Cause I think they're in there somewhere. I just got to get, get to the right place. So, uh, what about you guys no. in season scouting? John, okay. go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I kind of split it between private and public and I, 
in the past, I've been like 95 to 98% private and, you know, maybe a public every once in a while. This year, I've, I've just, I randomly found this new piece of public and I've been on it quite a bit. And uh, I'm a lot more cautious on my private than I am on the public. And I don't know why that is. I'm kind of using this here as an experiment. Um, but when it comes to private, I'm relying very heavily on cell cams. And then, and the biggest thing is really just historical data. Um, you know, I've been hunting the same property for several years now. Um, like, uh, I, like right now in the morning, I'm going to go to this one stand and I, I will probably hunt that same stand the next three mornings in a row because I've just seen so many mature deer in the mornings from that stand, but that same stand in the evening sucks. And so I'll be probably going to other spots in the, in the evening. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it is just cameras, uh, on the private land. On the public, though, I don't know what this is. Like I said, it's almost an experiment. I'm way more aggressive. Um, I've been going in. Uh, I went out there last weekend, and I found a couple of scrapes. It was the first scrapes I'd seen all year. I hung a camera over one that uh, I'd actually found a couple of weeks ago that looked like it was an old hub scrape. I uh, hung a camera on it, and I've been kind of tearing it apart. And so, um yeah, I, I don't know why it is. Like I said, I guess I'm just not as afraid of screwing up a public land area as I am my own private land. Um, but I'm much more aggressive on public. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you say so when you say aggressive, you're you're aggressive with like your access routes into the locations that you want to be, or maybe your wind locations. What what's what's the aggression part uh, compared to the the private land? Yeah, mostly just getting in there. Like I mean, walking through areas. Uh, really, I mean, tearing that place apart. Uh, you know, I'll walk in on one trail, scoot over and walk out on another trail just so I can cover more ground, uh, which, you know, is leaving more scent in more places. But because I'm not as familiar with that area, I just feel like I need to do that to find the sign. And the first time I hunted this spot, um, I, I basically just walked into the wind until I found deer poop and acorns in the same spot, set up my tree stand and ended up having three does come in that evening one of them got to like eight yards um just by walking in until I, I found some sign and so just trying to kind of play off that uh, that energy and keep going with, with that will have your cameras showed you anything so you said you set up some cameras on that on that scrape was that a cell cam it was not uh okay. i do not put cell cams on public land <laughs> for expenses yeah. <laughs> um I've had pretty good luck with cameras. Um, to last year, I, I just I think I left them out a little too long, and somebody noticed that they hadn't been picked up and took them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't put cell cams on public. Okay, Andrew, what about you with your in-season scouting? Uh, I'm not sure I'm the best one to answer this. That's why I didn't really want to come in uh, and right away. But on my private stuff, because that's mostly what I do. If I, my scouting's in the tree. So if I'm up there and I'm seeing stuff that's not like the deer are 50 yards or a hundred yards away or something, I'm moving based off of that. I, I, if I go in in the dark, you're obviously not scouting, you know, on your way out. Usually I try to get out in the light or in the morning, you know, without being seen and just being as like nonchalant as possible. So I'm not all over the place. Now I'm, I'm kind of with John on the public side. If I'm going in, hell, if I make noise, whatever, like I'm, I'm just out there to try to learn something. I'm, I'm, I apologize if it screws up other people, uh, hunting of that public land, but it's, I don't know, try to find something that looks promising, whether it's a feed tree or 
you know, some, some other sign, but to me, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm way less careful on that. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx hunt app. Onyx gives you up to date landowner information, color coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. Now, I think that's a smart play on your private pieces, especially, I mean, if you're, if you can somewhat control the pressure, you know, I mean, if you're if you're the only one hunting there or you and a couple of buddies and you know that it's not just everybody, you know, out on public land, like who knows who, who else has walked through that spot. I mean, I hunt some places on most of the places that I hunt public are multi-use areas. So there are people out there pheasant hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting in the fall, hiking in the fall, walking their dogs in the fall, small game hunting in the fall. So they're just used to people being out there. And I just have to assume that there are other people walking through these spots all the time, you know, so I'm not concerned too much as far as, you know, blowing a spot up or, or anything like that. Like I still try to be careful. I don't want to, you know, go bust through a bedding area where I suspect a buck is holed up if, you know, if I don't have to, but at the same time, I'm much, much, much less concerned. So, uh, guys, I want to ask y'all, now about like the the rut activity that you're seeing we're recording this on october 27th and we're at that time where it's really getting good i think especially for the guys who are hunting um you know private land who can have who have spots where they're you know they've established what deer in the area and that kind of thing they can begin to pattern them on some scrapes and that kind of stuff what kind of activity are you guys seeing you know, the, I, I've got I've got some cameras out on some public land spots here in Ohio, and I'd say in the last probably seven days, uh, they have been way more active than they have been all year. And I've seen I'm seeing probably six to seven different bucks on on one camera in particular. And I mean, I, I've I've had one really good deer on one really good deer on on that camera, and then six, you know, just smaller guys, you know. Um, but there, it's more often, you know, especially with the, with the smaller, the smaller deer. So I'd say those dudes are in full swing, uh, a lot of does. I, I, I have gotten a couple of cameras where it's a doe and a doe and then four or five minutes later, you know, there's a little buck running after him. So, uh, you know, as, as far as anything big moving, I haven't seen anything, but it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to be here just a few days. I would imagine it's going to be popping off. I'll, I'll echo Paul. Uh, I've got deer showing up on camera that I've never seen. Um, they're getting bigger slowly, but I also, I'm, I got listeners and, and different things that have sent us pictures of some giants going down. And we just had a, a weather front come through here the last day or so really knocked a lot of leaves down off of trees. Um, it like really overnight, overnight. Uh, yeah. I don't, we did have a pretty good temperature drop. It was 20 degrees or so. I mean, early this week it was in the 70s, and then the last day or so has been about 50 is the high. So that really got them up and moving. It'll be interesting to see how it progresses, though, if, or if it stalls out, because we're going to get warm again, I think. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, the east and southeast winds and stuff, we're, our temperature is going to go back up leading into November. So I'm not sure what that'll 
do that way, but definitely a lot more movement here the last 48, 72 hours. John, what about you? What are the cameras uh, showing you? Yeah, so we're usually a little bit further behind. Like, we're not that far south, but we are further south than you guys. So we're usually a little bit further behind. Um, as far as cameras, I haven't seen a whole lot. Um, but, like, there's a reason I took tomorrow off work. For some reason, this this last week in October is usually when things start kind of firing up, just historically. Um, and so I haven't seen a ton of rut action yet, but it, it should be any day now. And, like I said, you know, it's going to cool off tomorrow. And so I have a feeling things are going to start getting good here real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, did I, was it last week that I shared that I put up some cameras on some spots that, um, they traditionally there are scrapes there and I hadn't seen a lot of activity yet. Yeah. And that's when me and me and John disagreed and John said, go other other places. And I said, stay there. All right. So, I've got to show you I guys. I said not yet. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. I, got you. I so, said give it a little time and then go somewhere else. Yeah, so we recorded on Thursday evening, right? On Saturday morning, uh, on one of these spots in particular, a giant strolled through and opened that scrape up. And since then, I've had, I think, five or six. I can't tell if two of them are the same deer, which is why I'm saying five or six different bucks and they're all about this caliber. I'm going to, I'm going to hold it up to the screen here. Oh yeah. So you guys can kind of see what I'm working with. Hey guy. So, uh, oh, nice little one ten. what's that? I said nice little one ten for the listeners. Yeah. 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 Nothing, yeah. nothing too big. If anybody knows, uh, where I hunt at, um, yeah. I, I am curious yeah. though. Are you guys any good at, at like rough scoring deer by looking at them? No, I'm not at all. No, small medium large. Small medium large. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty decent at it. John, can you tell from this quick video? What would you call it? Just ballpark. <laughs> He's got his head up. There you go. Uh, he is wrecking this tree, by the way. For those. Oh yeah, they all are. At, at all. I'm gonna- I'm gonna say he's between 148 and 152. Really, that specific. Wow. Yep. All right. So he's is, it's kind of hard to tell because he's moving his head so much, but he's he's a decent he's a pretty good buck. Yeah. So there are several in there of that caliber, and they're creeping ever closer to daylight. Um. So the first mm-hmm. the first one came through at like three o'clock in the morning, then it was four o'clock in the morning. The last one, uh, one of the last ones that I got was like fifteen minutes before legal shooting time, and so it's it's getting pretty close, man. It's uh. It should be hitting just right. And I got a text message today that the spot that I hunt is being picked. All the corn that surrounds this public land is being picked literally yesterday and today. Or, or they're working on mm-hmm. it right now. So, man, things should things should start to heat up in the timber, I think, pretty quick here. Josh, are you still getting the does on that camera? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's right. That, that that's where the that's where the does are, and that's where obviously the the bucks have been. I've I've had a couple of smaller bucks that are daylighting quite a bit, um, and this this is a really cool spot too because there's a real tight pinch up into the doe bedding, but the the bucks uh, the deer don't really want to travel any further than that bedding, so they turn around. I won't say exactly what kind of feature turns them around, just in case. Uh, but they they have to turn around and come back through. 
So I'm getting these deer, they're hitting that scrape on the way up into the doe bedding, and then they circle back coming out, and I'm getting them on their way out too. So I'm kind of getting a little bit of a picture of like, okay, they're going in there, they're spending roughly 30 minutes milling around, and then boom, popping their way back out. So maybe that's a little a little bit of a clue as to how I can kill them in daylight. Maybe they spend a little too much time up in the doe bedding and, you know, maybe they head up into there before daylight, but, but pop back out, um, afterwards. But, um, so guys, what, what do you have planned for hunting? I mean, John, obviously you're hunting right now or are getting ready mm-hmm. to, what about, uh, what about the rest of you and what are the next couple of weeks hold? Well, I'm going to the, uh, the, the, the DSA hunt, the wildlife refuge hunt that I have, uh, tomorrow this weekend, I'll be hunting a couple of times, uh, next week. I really, I really want to get up there and, and hunt as much as I can, uh, you know, in, in that area. So I've got, if, if that, if my, if my other public land cameras start popping off, I'll, I'll, I'll make my way, I'll make my way down there, but I'm, I'm putting a lot of eggs in this basket, man. So yeah. are you taking wanna, some time I off get on the board? <laughs> Are you taking some time off for this? Um, you know, probably, probably just a few days. Uh, you know, my, my job's kind of, kind of flexible, so I don't get, uh, you know, I don't get too worked up. You know, if, if I'm in, you know, in the stand for, for the morning or whatever, I can, I can usually recover pretty quickly, but, okay. uh, yeah, no, no rotation for me. Oh man. Bummer. Yeah. Andrew, what about you? I don't know. We got trick or treat this weekend. Is that what you want to know about? Uh, yeah, I I do. Are you are you trick or treating this weekend? Uh, I've got a chicken costume that I wear. Uh, nice. it's, it's really it's pretty good. And the Buckeyes are playing Penn State, so um, yeah. No, I I have a couple presentations for work that I have to do next week. But like once that's done, goodbye. Like okay. <laughs> I'm peace. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I, I like, I was, I'm, I'm really kind of upset right now. I'm, I'm in one of these head case modes where the, the weekend where I do have potentially outside trick or treat a couple times to hunt, the wind is just terrible. And, uh, I'm not sure. I just want to go screw around on public land for that. Like we were saying earlier. So yeah, maybe I need to just be patient. I have problems with being patient in life and, uh, I might just have to like, be patient. Yeah. So, next week, man. Yeah. That, that 10 day forecast is not looking too good right now for the, for the Midwest and upper Midwest. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> your, your sneer says it all, man. Yeah. The, the temperature, yeah. it's going to be warm. It's going to be a lot of South winds, which, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of spots for South winds, especially not rut spots or, you know, areas that I like to hunt during the rut. Cause I just, I don't look for that very often. You, you know, usually it's a north, northwest, west wind, something like that. But, um, you know, I, I saw, so what I do for work is I help guys grow grass for their lawns and stuff like that. And I had this guy call today. And we were talking. And he's like, "Oh man, this forecast looks great. It's gonna warm back up. We'll get this grass. And, you know, these little seedlings will be germinated. They'll be ready to go." I'm like, "That's not the forecast I really care about at this point." <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, congratulations, your grass will grow, but. I don't care anymore. So, <laughs> oh man, that's tough. So, did you did you put on a face of like I'm really excited for you though? Yeah, sure, man. You want to buy more grass seed? I'll help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh uh, man, that's good. So, last thing, well, not last thing necessarily. Next thing, 
Uh, I'm curious if you guys are going to be breaking out the calls when you're heading out for these rut hunts. Like, are you guys big rattlers? Are you, you know, grunt grunters? Are you uh, blind calling kind of kind of thing, or just like, nah, I don't I don't mess with any of it. I bring a grunt call every time I go out during the rut, but I'm not a good deer hunter. So don't take my, uh, anything that I do, take it with a grain of salt. So it figures the Turkey guy would bring a call with him. Yeah. Dude, I, I've actually called bucks. I called bucks in and shot them. So it, it has, it has worked, but yeah, Turkey. Oh man. I, I'd, I'll call it a deer if I thought I'd bring it in. So dude, how, how cool would it be if whitetails bugled like elk? That'd be awesome. I might enjoy hunting them more. <laughs> <laughs> might be a lot more if a deer fun. Ever start, yeah, if a deer ever starts gobbling, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Paul, should we make, make you get out your uh, diaphragm call? Uh, no, I'm, none of that. <laughs> that no, that, none of that. That's the call that'll bring me in. I do have a trumpet call if, uh, <laughs> if you would like me to demonstrate. So, so I'm just kidding. My, my daughters are asleep right above, right above the room above me. So not, not a diaphragm guy. No, man. I've got like the worst gag reflex on the face of the planet, and it's, it's so bad. So like if, if, if this bottle cap is like when it gets to here, I'm just like, I mean, it's eight inches from my mouth, and I start already thinking about gagging, and it's game over. So. We, okay, side, we got to take a side story here. We had Josh Carney on our show one time. And, you know, Josh can do all this stuff with it, just the vocal cords and stuff. He like forced Paul to put the diaphragm in, and it is one of the funniest, 30 seconds or whatever. And Paul's like, <laughs> I've got tears running down yeah, my face. It was so funny. Was, and then awful. like for like two months after that, he'd call me and be like, all right, I'm getting there. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, you got a three notes out that time, Paul, you're getting better. Yeah. So. I, you know, I, I just, I, I gave up on that damn call side years ago. So I just did it out of peer pressure. Yeah. So yeah, dude, those trumpet oh, calls are pretty sweet. I'm, What's that? I uh, just said the tur- those trumpet calls are pretty sweet. They are. Yeah, big, big fan. Trumpet, tube calls, box calls, slate calls, all about them. So. Paul, I'm going to have to have you on my show this spring because I cannot make a single noise with a diaphragm call where the turkey oh, elk, really? it doesn't matter. I no, cannot man. do it. And so I'm going to have to get some turkey tips from a non-diaphragm yeah. guy. Absolutely, man. You got it. Whatever you need. <laughs> Yeah, Josh, back to your need. original question. Uh, I don't like to rattle. I will grunt every once in a while. And I picked up a sort wheeze this year because Dan Johnson said it works, so it must work. And um, I'm he does to- it with his mouth. Well, I don't care what. Well, whatever. I can try that. He made him. He made him do it with his mouth on the show. The little whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've had like one or two times that I've actually grunted a deer in, but most of the time for me. I don't know if I'm not blowing it loud enough. The winds are on direction, whatever. They just kind of mosey on. So mm. I think you have to hit it the right time. Same thing with the rattling. Like, I think there's a special window and actually it might be right now where usually in my mind, it's like that le- week leading up to November. But after that, I don't even mess around they sit in the bottom of my bag. I don't really pull them out. Yeah. I had a buddy that heard two bucks getting after it this morning. And, uh, Dan posted actually a picture of, uh, a couple bucks getting into it today too. So I, I think you're right. I think if, if guys are out there wanting to try some rattling, like right now is the time in a couple, you know, in a week or so, probably not the time. They're probably gonna be like, eh, I'm going to go somewhere else. But right now it could be a really, really good time for that. John, do you do a lot of rattling? 
Uh, I have tried. So, I mean, like, I could stand on top of this house and see Texas right now, which I think is where rattling was invented. Um, I have tons of buddies that do it. I have never a single time successfully rattled in a buck. Um, I've researched it. I've watched other people do it. I don't know if I just don't have the right conditions or the right buck to doe ratio or what, but I've never been successful rattling. Um, I do normally try it a couple times a year, but it's never actually worked. So, um, I do always carry a grunt tube with me. Uh, I do not blind call. Um, I've just heard from enough people talking about how they blind called and all of a sudden they hear a deer blowing, you know, down window because it circled around trying to, you know, confirm with its nose what it was uh, hearing. Um, but I have grunted in bucks that I've seen, you know, I, I pull out the grunt tube. If a buck comes by that I want to shoot and he's out of range or going away, then I will grunt at him. And I have had a few turn and come in. Um, I, I've, I see a lot of people like on YouTube or uh, Instagram or whatever, and they'll grunt at like basically every buck that comes by trying to get him to come in. I don't do that. Like I feel like you're just educating your future shooters. Um, so if I, if I grunt at a deer, it's because I want to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, here last weekend when I was sitting in my stand, I had, um, like a head cold or something going on. And about every 45 minutes, I would just be like, <clears throat> I had to, I had to cough, right. I had to clear my throat. And, uh, the last, last time I did it, I'm not joking. It had to been three or four minutes later, all of a sudden <laughs> comes this doe. And I don't know if I bumped her up or whatever, but, to me, I called her in, so she's gone now. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've got to throw this out there. Um, so Wired to Hunt recently put a uh, – Mark Kenyon put on his Instagram story a video of him. He, he like, did a fawn in distress call and had, had a doe come in, shot her. Awesome, right? Like that, That's pretty sweet, calling in a doe. But the video of him demonstrating that with his mouth is – gold yeah. absolute i can all that <laughs> i cannot believe nobody has like picked up on that and spoofed it yet like there's opportunity there okay but real question is did you try it oh yeah i've done it all the time yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah for sure for sure no i've i've tried a fawn and distress call to get does to come in early season uh in alabama we actually so our rut is february and we'll have does that are bred in february and march and like when it's hunting season, October 15th, you've got some really, really tiny fawns on the ground. I'm talking like a month old, maybe, you know, kind of fawns on the ground. And so, yeah, I've, tr I've tried it a bunch of times. I've never done it successfully. Uh, I have grunted in a couple of bucks and I rattled in a four point long time ago in like the middle of the day. Um, other than that, I, I, yeah, not so a lot. I thought, I thought the same thing about Mark's video because I'm like, he just got this weird look on his face. Whatever. So then I'm like driving down the road and I'm like, you know, kind of, and I'm like, look at myself in the rear view mirror. I'm like, oh yeah, you look that dumb right now too, don't you? <laughs> Dude, at first I thought it had to be a joke. Like, I, I, I was watching it and I was like, this is a joke, right? Like I'm waiting for him to break at any moment, you know, and start like, you know, laughing or something, but nope, it was dead so serious. It, it sounded like it sounded like a little kid who had gotten a hold of their dad's uh, elk cow call. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So I I actually got this year my first uh, big boy 
grunt tube. And what I mean by that is usually I, I get whatever is cheap at Walmart and looks like it can make a good sound. I'll get like the grunt tube, uh, snort wheeze combo. But I got this guy this year with like a wood end on it from Weathered Oaks Game Calls. And it, oh, is, yeah. it is sweet, man. It sounds really good. So, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. First time sharp. What's that? That's sharp looking call. It is, man. And these are these are made by hand. So they actually, if you don't follow them, follow them on Instagram. You can go to their Instagram page right now and see a video, like a reel that they made of him carving this thing basically by hand. They had it like spinning, and he just whittled away at it until it looked something like this. So, yeah, pretty sweet, pretty sweet call. I feel distinguished now. I feel like you're the, ready. I feel like the deer are going to give me credit for having a nice grunt tube. Just come running. Yeah. At, at least come in and like say, man, that's a really nice grunt tube. You know? <laughs> there you go. But anyways, well guys, what else, what else is going on? Any, anybody we need to give crap to tonight? Well, I, the only question, have you guys ever shot a deer that had this on it? I have not. John? Usually had a cyst on it. Yeah, so I shot this one, this doe last weekend. And I think I we were talking on here. I probably I've repeated myself all the time, but if I ever have a, a hunt that actually goes the way it's supposed to, that's when I have to retire. And like, I had this that doe this weekend, twenty yards, whatever, perfect shot, perfect shot, man. Talk about all my nerves and everything. I remember seeing her mule kick, everything. She went laid down right in the corner. Everything's perfect. I come walking up and the <laughs> Paul back to the the I don't know how to explain it other than she had these like softball size boobies in her gear boobies gear boobies in her uh, <laughs> front shoulders and at first I thought that the blood had just pooled in her cavity and uh, that's really, I guess what I was hoping when I got home and started doing the, the processing skinning part I realized something was wrong up front and I think what it was I think was a hydro hydrocyst Paul? Is that what we called it? But That's like, it, yeah, it was like it's something caused by like a wound in the past. Whether she hit barbed wire, got shot, hit by a car, something like that, and it builds up all this fluid and blood in the front. And so when you're skinning her, it wasn't yellow and or it wasn't like green or pussing or black or anything like that. But it was just this kind of like off yellow color. Some of the meat was was definitely like not cool. I didn't dig into it like I probably should have. I was more con- it was hot that day. I was more concerned with getting the meat put into the freezer, the good meat, and I'd left basically the front half of that deer go. Um, but in all the deer I've ever shot, I've always heard people you know talk about you know pre wounded or deer that have been wounded and stuff like that. That was the first time I've ever seen that, and it was it was just interesting. Um, and I can send you a picture. After I went back and looked at the, I never took pictures of the, the processing part, which I should have, but you can see it in the one picture where she's laying on the ground. It's just like her chest cavity has got this extra bulge to it. Dude, that's, it, was, it was, that's really weird. Did you, did you ever get a hold of Nick? Uh, he was one of the first people I called or okay. tried to, uh, but he said, yeah, anybody I talked to about it was like, if in doubt, don't right. If you have any concern, you know, when it comes to feeding, I didn't give any of it to my dog or anything. Like, just put it away, right? Yeah. Put it, dispose of it. So that's what we did. Yeah. 
Man. Yeah, I've, I've never encountered anything like that, but I, I think I probably would have made the same the same call, especially if the meat was, like, discolored and looking weird. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah I wouldn't, I'm not. I'm Yeah, I'm not eating that either. What, so let me ask you this. I'm going to hunt in Wisconsin. We've got some places in Wisconsin that are currently, or well, last year, above 50% for CWD positive on the buck harvest. What are you guys doing if you get that notification in the mail that your buck is buck or doe is CWD positive? Are you eating the meat, trashing the meat? What's happening? Man, I so I've thought about this a lot since I'm actively hunting in Ohio's CWD zone. And we had Doug Dern on the, on the, on our program uh, earlier this summer, and I asked him that same question, do you eat CWD? uh, positive deer. And he said that he doesn't. And he, he, here's kind of where I've, where I've landed and Josh coming from, you know, Wisconsin, you guys have been dealing with that for a long time. So there have been people that were eating CWD positive deer for years before it was talked about would be my guess, you know, and we haven't seen any correlation. Wisconsin's been dealing with CWD for what, 20 years at this point. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe, and, and it's, so if you're dealing with it for 20 years, it's been around for, for more than 21 is, is my point. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of smart people say that there's no correlation of, you know, CWD, you know, in, in humans. Um, I don't know if I'd feed it to my children, honestly. Uh, and I know some people are probably like, yeah, this guy's an idiot, but man, I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> you don't want to do anything that, you know, maybe it is something that shows up, you know, later in life. Um, I don't know, but in those areas, people probably eat and see that we probably all eat a CWD deer at some point in our life, you know, eat yeah. enough of them. I, so that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And that is, I would probably eat it. I probably wouldn't feed it to my children. Yeah. I get that. Uh, I'm on the same, same boat as Paul. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it with that. Yeah. John, what about you? You eating a CWD positive deer? <laughs> Man, I, I do agree with what Paul said. I feel like a lot of people have eaten it with, you know, just without knowing it. Um, I think if I got a confirmed positive test, I'm probably chunking it. Um, not that I necessarily would be scared of it, but uh, I, I don't remember who said this. I, I It might have been uh, Steve Ranella just talking about, like, you know, one of the biggest uh, pros to hunting is the meat, like, you know, getting organic meat. And if CWD ever was to jump to a human, like that argument's kind of out of the window or out the window. Um, and then you'd have a lot of anti-hunting people like, Oh, well, like there's your excuse. Like you said, you claimed you were doing it just because you wanted to eat the meat. Now you can't eat the meat. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know how much stock is in that, uh, but it kind of made sense to me. And so, more than anything, just, just the risk, just the what if factor, like it's probably not worth it. Yeah. That's a good point. But dude, it's, it's tough, man. I talked with uh, Pat Durkin and he had, um, he had shot two bucks. I can't remember if it was last year or year before. And he, both of the bucks that he shot were CWD positive that year. And by the time he got the test results back, he had already processed the entire deer, got that thing in the freezer, you know, and it's like, not only have you gone out and 
killed the deer, but you've also done a ton of work at that point to get the deer in the freezer. Like that would be hard for me to let go. Um, I don't think I'd feed it to my kids. Um, I shot a buck in Wisconsin last year and I did not get it tested. So testing is not required, uh, in the County where I was. And I just didn't, I didn't bother, even though I know that there's pretty high, um, uh, pretty high prevalence like, of, of CWD in the area. So I don't know. I don't know. If I start wasting away, you guys will know what happened. That's it. I'm more concerned about EHD. I was in that tree in that DSA, and those damn little gnats were biting my ass up and down, man. I'm like, oh, God. I'm starting to look for ponds, you know, on Onyx. Like, okay, I just got to get prepared for this. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, uh, both of those are sticky sticky subjects, I think, for, for people. So Yeah, you guys got hit hard with EHD this year. We really did. Andrew, how many counties was it? It was over 25. Yeah, Southwest Ohio got hit really bad. One of the guys, I, um, somebody I saw the other day posted something. Uh, There's a farmer down Southwest Ohio. He found 60, 60 dead deer from Jeez. that on property. So. I mean, that'll wipe you out for a couple of years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember um, back in the Midwest Whitetail days when Bill Winky was still there when EHD hit his farm? I do not. Huh? Oh, oh my gosh. I was watching his videos back then and you want to talk about, first of all, a lot of dead deer, but second of all, just some absolute slammers that were found in a Creek because of EHD, just a, a terrible yeah. way for those bucks to go. And it, his farm took like years to recover from that, to reestablish the age structure. Cause it just wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, it was just that North. It's one of my favorite. Uh, I was going to say that did produce one of my favorite quotes of all time from Bill Winky. Uh, it takes five and a half years to grow a five and a half year old buck. Uh, <laughs> I, that's always stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. He, he, yeah, it was a struggle. And like, I mean, even right up to him selling that farm, he had mentioned a couple of times, like it was never the same after EHD came through. Like it still hadn't, when he sold it, I don't think he, he was saying it still hadn't, sort of hit the peak where it was before EHD rolled through. But well, guys, we've been rocking for like an hour and seven minutes now. So anything else that we need to, uh, need to cover Nick's not here tonight. So I'm, I'm hoping he shot a buck. I hope so. That'd be a good talk for next week. Yeah, it would. All right, Josh, thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. Oh dude. Anytime, anytime. So, uh, next week I'm going to be recording this live from my rutcation. I pull out on Sunday afternoon. I'm skipping trick or treating for the very first time ever. Um, with my kids, I did go to like a trunk or treat thing at their school where they all had their costumes on. It was a blast and all this fun, lots of candy and other stuff. So I kind of did the trick or treating thing a little bit. We've got family coming over. So that's going to be really good. They're going to be here to trick or treat with the kids. We'll have cousins and all that stuff. So dad will not be missed, but I'll be in Wisconsin next week and we'll be, uh, hopefully, man, I, I would, you know what? I would love to be in Illinois when we record this next week, because that means I tagged out in Wisconsin and I have, uh, made the trip on down. So, um, anyways, guys, good luck in the week ahead and, uh, yeah, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Good luck on it, You guys. Thank you. you guys. Thank you.
That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. <laughs>